Thank you for tuning in to the We the People podcast with Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano. You can stay in step with the Senator on the latest state level issues, legislation, and national concerns in his tireless efforts to protect our God-given rights and freedoms. Let's take a listen and remember the power is the people's. Uh, Acting Secretary Beam, so question, a follow-up for Senator Ward's question to you. 18 and under, you said about 12% of the cases uh, Mm -hmm. encompass statewide for our young people. Uh, What percentage or what number of those were hospitalized, required follow-up care? I don't have the hospitalization percentage for those, but I can follow up with that. And additionally, I'd like to know the uh, number of deaths of 18 and under, or 20 and under. I know you normally you track 20 and under, I, I believe, in the numbers that you send out every day. Sure, uh, so I can do deaths. Thank you. I think we'll find the numbers extremely low. The last time I looked at your numbers, this was a few weeks back, though, there, there weren't, thankfully, no deaths 20 and under, using your statistics. Um, positives, I've always asserted, was just a number, but the, the ones that matter was hospitalizations, of course, and those that needed respirators as well. And do you think this is a bit heavy-handed when you have 20 and under, 18 and under, uh, with uh, extreme measures uh, where the science isn't really settled on it? Uh, you were asked also by Senator Ward about uh, any physical, psychological, or behavioral effects of wearing masks. I don't know if you're aware of the, the recent study from the University of Witte Herdecke in Germany. It's by Dortmund, Germany. They studied 25,000. They studied 25,000 kids wearing masks in Germany the past year, and they found that at least 68% of the kids had some kind of issues physically or psychologically as a result of wearing the mask for four and a half hours a day. And this is this is the science. This this is the facts. Uh, the Germans very thorough. 25,000 kids. Uh, 53% of the kids uh, had headaches or increased headaches, 50% had difficulty concentrating, 37% had trouble with drowsiness, and 42% malaise. Additionally, they found about a third of the kids experienced shortness of breath, and about a quarter of the kids experienced dizziness, and uh, et cetera. And uh, I could relate to that being on an airplane and wearing a mask you know, for hours on end and trying to sleep and what have you. And the kids, I would say, are more vulnerable. They seem to be pretty resilient with the numbers as far as hospitalizations and deaths, thankfully. What's holding us back from not being so, not heavy-handed, but by inferring upon school districts and parents that they should be forced to do certain things with the kids? Should not that be their decision in light of the facts? So I'll offer some facts first and then get to your final question. So first for the deaths, we have tragically had 14 deaths between the ages of 15 and 19. And out of how many kids in the school system? Do you know the number of kids that are actually in the school system? 1.9. The 14 out of 1.9 million. I mean, one's too many, but how many every from the previous year before COVID died uh, from flu, a related flu virus or what have you? So I would like to just finish that answer. 15 to 19 was the number I gave you. Those younger than 15, we actually can't provide right now because of the suppressing of less than five. But there are children that are younger than that age that have passed as well. I think... To your point about the evidence of masking, we have had the the COVID-19 transmission in schools has been evidence-based this entire time and that the response has been the CDC's layers of being able to say that first vaccinations are going to help to get us there. Secondarily, we're going to support these schools with testing, but masking is another layer to allowing that transmission to be prevented and preserving the in-person education. And so when that can actually be protected, 
we would like to move forward with that. With that being said, I think in reference to Senator Ward's question and going even further, and, and Chairman Martin also referenced it, we are in a difficult spot given where this legislature has put us. Given the constitutional amendment that many of you have supported, it is going to be extremely difficult to move forward with any of these requirements in a school setting. And so respectfully, I would ask, how do you and your colleagues in the legislature anticipate protecting students and teachers and the tireless volunteers that are actually educating our students to make sure that we can preserve the in-person education? Well, what I would say is uh, the parents need to be able to make the choice. They know better than you or anyone else. We all braced ourselves a year and a half ago, you know, and I don't know anyone who didn't take it seriously. Thank God it wasn't this catastrophe like we saw uh, around the world in, in 1918, 1919. Thank God it wasn't a repeat of that. But instead of uh, letting people make their own personal health decisions, folks around the country were doubling down on things that aren't settled science. And we're told, follow the science. And I'm looking at this German report that you're not familiar with from Witten, Germany, a very reputable university. And uh, it shows that the adverse effects on kids is far worse than any benefits that were detected by them. And the Germans are very, very strict on those codes, even more so than us. And so I want to leave it in the, in the hands of the parents. And, uh, you know, S Secretary Ortega, uh, during your confirmation hearing, I asked you, is, is there going to be coercion from your uh, department? on the school districts, and you assured me there would be none. Is, does, is that still true, that the decisions can be made locally by the school boards? Sure, currently is it still true. However, the recommendation at the moment is to follow the CDC guidance, Senator. Okay, and uh, there is, seems to be some confusion as far as with the elementary and secondary school emergency uh, relief fund. There's, there's an allegation from some school districts that that's being threatened to be, uh, those funds will be withheld if they don't comply with the recommendations. Is that inaccurate or accurate? That's inaccurate. Thank you. And the last one is I'm hearing from some school board members is they, they fear uh, liability, understandably so. Uh, is Do you know of a case in previous years from other viruses or flus where a school board member or a school board was held liable uh, for any deaths as a result of uh, a child dying? I don't have any knowledge of a case. Okay. The and neither do I. Okay. But So I, I do believe, and I I'll hold you to the, the pledge, of course, that it should be a local decision in the end, and that there will be no uh, coercion or threat or loss of funds. And we know of no cases where a member, because they choose to let parents uh, pick their own path for their kids, there will be no uh, ramifications for people as far as from litigation. Do you stand with that? I think I think I do. Let me let me just back up because I just want to say a, a couple of things with regards to the choice. You know, at the moment, many of the choices are being left as school level local decisions, right? Yeah. And so, for them to work in partnership with the parents and the constituencies they serve, so I just don't want to create a tension that pushes the school leader to suggest that we're saying here that it's this parent choice entirety when there is something that has to be done in cooperation at the local level. So I want to make sure that those deliberations happen with regards to the decisions that have happened and not impede any conversations that are being had at the school board level. With regards to liability, you know, I think we've worked with, uh, we've had conversations in the past about what there could be done with regards to liability protection. Uh, it's clear to me uh, that in the circumstances that exist now, there are recommendations coming at the federal level from the CDC that are saying very specifically what schools should be doing with regards to or the recommendation of schools with regards to face covering that does create some concerns that schools are think are going to have to contend with. Now we don't step in with regards to playing general assembly for, I mean, 
uh, advising the schools around general uh, legal issues of that nature, but we're certainly aware that there could be concerns around liability. To the moment, none have emerged to me, Senator. All right, thank you. Acting Secretary uh, Beam, I'm looking at your uh, Pennsylvania child death re uh, annual report, and uh, obviously every single death is, is tragic. But it looks like based off your report, it's about, we average sadly, tragically, about 2,000 deaths a year, and, and then there's an accounting on this 44-page report of, of the, the deaths uh, by every category. Um, tragically, about half, as you can imagine, by accidents. As this includes from, from infants all the way up to 20. So this is a little bit beyond the scope, but I, I think it's a good measure. Um, I'm looking, so we're, we're talking about 1.3 million uh, school-aged children in Pennsylvania, and so you, you've accounted for 14 uh, tragic deaths as related to COVID. Um, I don't see that that's a spike or increase based off of your previous reporting. What, what are your thoughts on that? So for COVID-19, and I will have to check the report that you're looking at right now, but for COVID-19, we know that that is the SARS-CoV-19 virus, right? So that is going to be a new virus that we would have had line itemed on that report. And that's where we have the 14 deaths. And again, that is from the 15 and up school age population, we still have 14 and under with deaths. So uh, I think we just wanna emphasize that for accuracy's sake, there are deaths for COVID-19 and school age children at this point. And how does that compare to deaths related to the swine flu when that broke out or the bird flu when that broke out? I will have to check with the team on that. Uh, I'm finding that it's, it's actually quite similar and close and we didn't have such a heavy handed rules here that took away parents and children rights. I'd ask you to take a, a hard look at if the science is leaning towards us, and based off of the, the University of Witten-Herdecker report I gave you from Germany with over 25,000 school children, it seems as if, well, factually, the adverse effects of wearing a mask so long is, is more severe on kids than, than the perceived uh, help it is to them. Yeah. And my last question is, uh, Secretary Ortega, I mean, this is a one heck of a time to come in and assume these responsibilities. Because before you uh, got into this position, Pennsylvania was, according to NEA report that I cited uh, during your, your hearing, your confirmation hearing, uh, from a couple years ago. So National Education re reported nationwide, Pennsylvania is the 12th most expensive as far as spending, the 12th highest spender in the nation, with uh, then producing 28th quality students out of 50. Uh, I submit to you with all the disruptions this past year in our state, we're going to drop down pretty low. W what's your vision of trying to uh, assure parents out there that, that there's going to be a higher degree of normalcy for the kids as they go in uh, to the school season next month? Sure. And I mean, in terms of guaranteeing that the outcomes are going to improve in the first six, nine, 12 months, I think we're working really hard with our educators to make sure that we provide the conditions for them to be successful. And we hope they can. In fact, we're optimistic that many of them have already stepped up to trying to figure out things even now, as we begin with some of the summer enrichment and then move it into the new school year. Uh, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that we could address the gaps that occurred from learning from this past 16 months. But we got a lot of work to do, Senator. There's gonna have to be a tremendous collective, collaborative effort to tap into a number of resources. I can't emphasize enough to this group the fact, which I think was brought up early, which was brought up earlier multiple times, if young folks and our educators are not effectively 
receptive and able to learn because of all the stress and things like this. We've got to address that simultaneously. It's going to be that much more challenging to address the gaps. But we're committed and we're working and these resources that we've let both through the General Assembly and federal dollars are going to make sure that that happens. You have been listening to the We the People podcast with Senator Doug Mastriano. You can stay in step with the Senator at thepoweristhepeoples.com or by visiting his website at senatormastriano.com. Remember, let your voice be heard because after all, the power is the people's. Until next time, be blessed.